0: hey what's up guys it's your artist friend chris dyer with another episode of chris dyer's creative friends this week i'm going to be interviewing my friend monkey who's an old artist friend of mine we've known each other for at least 15 years he's very interesting and spiritual and soulful he's a legendary muralist and painter here in montreal and around the world pretty much and today he's having a solo show here in the old port of montreal so, we are gonna do the interview here. So it should be
1: really interesting.
0: Woo. Hey, what's up monkey?
1: How are you doing my brother? You good? Woo. So yeah. Good to see you. Great, you too. Always yep. in
0: such beautiful style. You too.
1: I love the patterns and the colors.
0: You know, keeping it simple with Peruvian. What is this style? Is it like African? Yeah, like- exactly.
1: Basically, I have two two designers that I gave them the responsibility to kind of brand me. So I choose with them the, the textile and the shape and all the measurement are are made for me uh, right. and all the pieces are unique pieces so uh, one of these designer is Semanda he's doing more like the African textile mm. and I have Tondo which are doing what they call the Afro Past apocalyptic samurai. Ah, sick So I kind of mix those two together. Apo- I love those two uh, designers, so I combine them to create a, Apo-
0: a unique style. Apocalyptic chic. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Shout what, out to what what uh, what country would uh, of Africa? Uh, would this is this a be?
1: Ugandan. These are two Ugandan designers, mm-hmm. which is also uh, the team of. Uh, some of my uh, painting collection here ah, today beautiful. um I was for it was my 7th tour in Uganda mm-hmm. and uh, I chose to stay there for the for the lockdown when the lockdown oh, started damn. so um I w- I signed a deal with national television in Uganda for a whole year of promotion for my music and everything so when the lockdown arrived I decided to stay and to finish my deal with them so during that time I've produced a series of photo called uh, V confiné and uh, the painting, the oil painting, are actually reproduction of the pictures that I took in Uganda. Mm. So I would say my heart is in Uganda, I love Uganda. For a long time, I've been exchanging with Mexico and with Latin America, but for the past six years, I uh, had mm-hmm. the blessing to be welcome in East Africa and, and have amazing opportunities and projects. So Nice.
0: Well, I want to dive deeper into the whole African mission, yep. but let's start with the right here, world. right now. Yes. Like, where are we? What is this about?
1: Okay, We are at a, a gallery called L'Original uh, in old Montreal, old Port Montreal. Uh, what happened is that we had the opportunity together to collaborate with Divina Dali, which is the exhibition of Salvador Dali about uh, Dante's Inferno. Okay. Uh, so Dali did 101 illustration to depict the Dante's Inferno.
0: My mom loves that book.
1: Yeah. So, and <laughs> I love Dali and I love the book. So that, mm-hmm. that was uh, an amazing opportunity. Where to, is it? For me? The exhibition? It's in uh, the old port. It's um, a, like a museum? It's at the K, museum of the K. Okay. Uh, the, K. The, K? The, K? the K? That's the name? No, of? like a K. Like a, oh, okay. K a museum. K, a K, like for the boat in French, or K. Oh, it's okay. like a port, I guess. So
0: not the special K museum. No,
1: exactly. <laughs> it, like, and, um, and basically, they asked me to do a performance, a unique... Uh, Art performance, live painting, uh, poetry concert Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday. Okay. And kind of in exchange. So, yesterday it was a Salvador Dali featuring Monkey event, Mm -hmm. uh, and they uh, passed us three original pieces of Salvador Dali for my solo show. So, today it's the opening of my solo show called Le Temps qui Coule Mm -hmm. at l'Original. And uh, we have three pieces of Salvador Dali, which That's is in sick. itself surreal, completely surreal. Right. And it's also like a, a child dream come true. Dali is the, the artist I've been following for the longest. And um, he mentored me without knowing my mentality, my approach. Uh, I would say a lot of my key to success come from understanding how Dali branded and presented himself uh his art piece were only secondary to his soul and to his own personality mm-hmm. and i think with all of the medium i do the poetry the rap the painting the calligraphy the body paintings all of these things i think they're all uh homogeneous and all related to me to my soul which is the most important part of all of these other branches is how i'm feeling how i'm doing what i'm thinking about and what i'm going through So, Mm. for that, I'm really grateful for Dali and grateful for Divina Dali and for L'Original for being able to kind of book and produce that event in collaboration with myself. So cool, man. It's a consecration and a baptism, a professional baptism Mm. into a new new standard of production. New new level.
0: Congratulations, man. I'm so proud of you. you. I am
1: also. I feel really proud. Fortunate somehow, yeah.
0: So tell me a little about the performance last night. You were uh, live painting and spinning some rap and...
1: Yeah, basically um, what I did is that I went through uh, everything I could find of Salvador Dali interviews on YouTube and all of these things. And we start uh, sampling uh, parts of the interview quotes that I felt uh, were powerful, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that could stand alone without being in the rest of the interview, right? Quotes that spoke for themselves Mm. of a clear idea of Salvador Dalí. We had maybe something like 30, 40 different quotes that I asked my DJ, Mark the Magnanimous, to place at different timing during the show because I was improvising my poetry based on Dalí's quote. Um, There was also a two hour live painting Uh, But during my performance, to me it was important to place a statement. A lot of people um, are uh, actively um, putting their opinion out there concerning the vaccine passport, the vaccination, wearing the mask. A lot of people around the world, artists are boycotting events that force to have the vaccine pass. A lot of other artists have no choice but to do them because we have to make money, we have to pay rent and feed our, our children. Um, So I choose uh, to remain uh, faithful to what I think and what I believe. So I accepted the gig, even if it was a vaccine passport, but I had to do civil disobedience during that gig. I always have to express myself regarding these issues. We're going to look back in time uh, and we're going to see who did what. Just like it happened in Nazi Nazi times and in in Pinochet time. there's people that are blindly following. There's people that see the bigger picture, that want to slow down the process of, of where we're going through. And I would say in my own, I want to be, uh, I want to be doing a, a creative uh, civil disobedience. Right. I don't believe in destruction. I don't believe in fighting fire with fire. To me, it's all about creativity, positivity, uh, unifying people, not dividing people. So yesterday um, during my show, uh, I have one of on my line that says, um, uh, because in fact, Dali's clock are a proof of time melting, and um, the show stopped, we started some classical music, and then I started expressing how matter um, and the material world will fade out, but what we put out in the world spiritually, our decision, our relation to others, uh, will remain forever. Like uh, it's right. uh, in temporary
0: standing for our, like, what do we believe in
1: exactly is, is our principles so, is so important. So, um, I didn't announce that to, to anyone. Uh, I kind of briefly, uh, gave a glimpse to the, to the, the museum, uh, caretaker that I was going to do a civil disobedience and a stunt that I wanted him to trust me that, uh, that it's not gonna disrespect people or, or be illegal in, uh, in for the COVID protocols and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I needed to have a message, a message being sent. And the message is beyond just COVID. It's about like human relation. It's about like, like we're living in a time where there's the biggest uh, drought in the world, the biggest uh, human migration in the world, the biggest. Uh, uh, industrial and technological revolution right now. So things are moving, transfer
0: of wealth.
1: Yeah. All of this human are human are in pain. Human are losing their
0: rights, you know? So
1: all of these things, I think it's important to be vocal and to do our part to prevent uh, the evilness to kind of monopolize our lives, you know? So humanity is so important. So um, to me, it was a message of compassion towards everyone and towards humanity going through a transition right now. So I went outside of the, of the museum and it's all big windows. Um, so I went out with a white spray paint and, uh, I wrote ensemble, which, which is together, um, outside to be read from outside. So my idea was like, we were a creative bubble inside, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to tell the world outside of that bubble that I am with them, you know, that I'm Mm -hmm. together with, with them, you know? Mm -hmm. So. um, and it was, it was blessed. It was well-received. I was a bit scared to be arrested at one point, And I was scared that I would uh, burn my bridges. Right, know, and that...
0: to the museum that invited you to perform exactly. and lend you that lead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. ballsy, dude. Yeah, it,
1: it was. It was. But at the same time, it was uh, calculated. I didn't choose like a, a hardcore spray paint uh, material. I used a chalk spray paint. So easier to wash. And the funniest thing is that I didn't plan that in my planning. But when I came back inside after I painted their window, I was so hyped and filled with adrenaline. I was in trance that I, in my mind, I was like the most devoted thing right now. And it was also a way to kind of avoid bridging, uh, burning my bridges. Mm-hmm. I came right back inside and I started destroying the live painting that I did just an hour before, right? Mm. And the speech that I gave is that um, it is important for me to be able to sacrifice the material to be able to pursue a spiritual objective. But if I'm able to destroy someone else's property, I need to be able to invest my own property for the same cause. So mm-hmm. that's why even if I de- destroy their windows for a, a small amount of time, when then I also destroyed mine to kind of show humility and right. togetherness. For I have the, the, the word togetherness even more powerful uh, by sacrificing the piece that i really dearly loved mm-hmm. and uh, later on today i'm gonna go see if i can kind of rearrange it or repaint over or reuse some of that destruction yes. as part of the final piece but uh um, I felt good. I, I felt happy that uh, these people kind of understood what I was uh, going through. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't boycott me. I even received a message from them today that they supported me. The old team was supportive and that everything was uh, cleaned already and that we're ready to move on to the next phase. You know, so to me, it was uh, it was an accomplishment. I would say the old, the old scenario, the old script, the old evening yesterday was. Uh, build towards that peak moment mm. uh, that I was really stressful about and uh, it worked. So
0: beautiful. Yeah, fuck. Thank yeah you. I, I really appreciate it as from one artist to another I wouldn't even call myself an activist but like you know for somebody who cares and wants to see change in a crazy time I really thank you and appreciate you putting your shit on the line to say what you believe in, because not enough people are doing that these days. It's like everybody just wants to keep safe. And they're, you know, like we're all in sensitive momentum. Like any of us could just go down and go bankrupt when we least expect it. So it's like making that risk, it's the most dangerous time ever. So I double appreciate that you're like, you know, like getting to the pinnacle of your career and you could throw it all down by going against Babylon and saying like, this shit ain't nothing if we're not really doing it from the heart and making the world a better place with it. This is not for the ego. This is not for me to be like Mr. Cool artist guy, you know, this is for me to be empowered to continue being a servant of the most high and humanity.
1: And to all be honest, once you know self and you understand the key to your own success, my own success was based on giving to other, being generous. Every time I was ripped and abused, God, the universe, rebalanced everything and brought me bigger uh, opportunities. You know, so to me it's not even it is altruist and the idea that i'm doing it for the common good and for all of us but i'm also doing it for myself i know as artists this is the best this is our duty this is the best position we can play the artist that goes down in history and mark a time and a moment are those who take risks and all my life I took risks. And now that my career is growing, I would be stupid to change my formula. My formula is to obtain success by being generous and by taking risks. Mm -hmm. So I keep on taking risks and I think that's the formula to keep me growing. Even if cops came and arrested me, I had a camera crew there, it would have just blow up bigger into something that we're all all winning. By taking a stance, we are all winning. Even if we are losing some privileges, I do believe that's what I'm understanding from the consciousness that is rising these days. We talk about white privilege and male privilege. Well, I have many privilege. I'm a white male. Um, I, I had a lot of problem making money for a long time. Now I'm making good amounts of money. I have a little bit of security. And like you said, a lot of people would actually become more comfortable and try to keep that little comfort they got me. It's the other way around that comfort. Give me leniency to take more risk and to, to, to continue, explore the limits of what I should be and become and say and exchange with people. So, right.
0: It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's intense time. So it's a uh, time to, see who we really are and where we stand, and are we standing by our principles? Or are we gonna keep it safe? I, I resonate because as, as you may know or not, I'm leaving town next week and I don't know when I'll be back in Montreal, and yeah. I was so comfortable in my apartment, in my neighborhood, in my career, and I'm gonna go out there and be like a refugee looking for a home now, and it's so weird, but I'm not gonna be pushed and abused by Babylon to do something I don't wanna do. And, you know
1: and it's gonna bloom into something amazing you are an amazing artist you are an amazing human being so if your heart is telling you to go that route i'm telling you treasures and blessings and abundance are gonna follow you Thanks, that's man. how i lived my life that's how i understood the mathematic of this world to be you know mm-hmm. if you risk and you and you love and you take your leap of faith then Universe grabs grabs you by in, in, in their in your in their hand and mm-hmm. move you towards a better place. So mm-hmm. I'm quite sure you're gonna have beautiful adventures on. Thanks, the trip, man.
0: Yeah. yeah I, so let's take it back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do you know how how long we know each other, man? Like you're one of the first uh, artists that you know that I met when I
1: started making a career. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I think the I remember the first gig we did it was uh, enfant du soleil enfant soleil yeah. enfant, enfant soleil Soleil. Enfant soleil. 2004 that, Wow I was going to yes. say 12 years ago it's actually like 17 years ago Yeah 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 I think we have two more collabos after that one I think Yeah, yeah. Uh, so three paintings every time was a blessing yeah. and since they won like I think I think we grew into sculpting our personality and growing in in the throne the mm-hmm. kingly throne that but I think it was already visible in our in our ways you know I think you could see people sometimes by their charisma, by their idea, by their um initiatives mm-hmm. that they're going to go far, you know? So totally. So from the beginning, we, I kind of knew that you, uh, you have a journey in front of you that mm, will be blessed. So I'm happy like, that, that I've witnessed it.
0: Likewise, I, that was actually my first mural when we painted on Font Soleil. They gave us a big wall, it was on TV. Yeah. And I was just like, I've never painted a big mural. I don't know how to use spray paint. I think we couldn't use spray because it's uh, indoors. Also, so we're doing all big brushes. brushes and I was just trying to go big. And I remember taking pictures being like, holy oh, shit, I'm on TV. And we we're i think it was like quebec city yeah exactly so, yeah. it was out of town and then the second collab was fanny aisha just a little street yep. mural for I can't, something yep. in rosemont and the third one was the dj school mural yep. we made and that, that was, was super community good yep. vibes it was
1: amazing um, so can't I was wait a, for the fourth one
0: yeah let's see what what happens maybe something somewhere else yeah because i don't want to come back <laughs> to montreal <laughs> Um, So since when have you been uh, being an artist? When did this mural start? Do you have a roots in graffiti? Like, tell me a little bit Um, about your roots. I would
1: say I've always been an artist. I would say my first language is actually visual art because as a child, we old pen, we choose colors before even using words, right? So I I see myself as someone who has as a first language uh, visual art. Um, And then I just never stopped. My mom was super creative my dad was more like the philosophy and ethics and principles, uh, so I got all of that rigidity and that uh, mental structure from my father. But all the fluidity, the changing things into gold, the, the artistic alchemy really come from my mother's side. and. Um, my, my parents adopted a young, uh, orphan from 80 when oh. I was six years old. Mm. Um, she was one, we grew up together and early on I could see, uh, racism and, and you know, the difference of treatment that my sister was receiving. And you know? also a lot of, a lot of so-called white people think racism doesn't exist because they don't experience it in their daily life. Right. Mm. It's not necessarily the bad people It's just in their experience. Obama was president, racism doesn't exist anymore, right? They don't have physical proof that it exists, but me from an early age, I could I could see my sister being fucked with in school, being laughed at, being always bullied. So early Ooh. on there was this uh, this compassion and this desire for social change mm. that uh, that came on and then I discovered the punk punk movement when I was 12, 13, doing skateboard and all these things. But really what captivated me is when i discovered hip-hop because my painting skills my drawing skills my poetry that i was already doing and my social desire for change were all welcome and they found a roof for mm. themselves in the hip-hop culture so i would say i've been painting murals since then when i was 14 years old what year is this um 14 it was 96 mm-hmm yeah So 96, 97, spray painting.
0: So was it graffiti or characters or... I was
1: already doing both. I chose the name Monk at first. Monk E was after, the E was added after. But I chose Monk because there was an O in Monk. So the O, I kind of always replaced it by a portrait a lot Mm. of times. So I could go out and do both at the same time. I was painting train. I was painting under bridges. My agenda was filled with it. And, um, and then that's it. I was living in Drummondville, a small town, an hour and a half from Montreal. Okay. And, and I was hitchhiking to come get my caps at Cellblock in Montreal and, and meeting people and all of this. So at, at 16 years old, I moved to Longueuil just to be closer to where it was happening. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up, uh, I continued to grow in my art by choosing my mentors, by collaborating with people like you, with Sino, with other uh, older brother and people, pairs that were my age and uh, it grew to be what it is now. Now uh, I come from graffiti, but I do a lot of brushwork, a lot of calligraphy, and I try to explore. I feel we, we reap what we sow, but it's important to know how uh, you harvest from a tree. You know, you need to have many branches to your tree to be able to harvest all the time. Certain season, certain branches will be hit stronger. They'll give more fruits. Uh, some other season, there's a new electrical line that will pass through and they need to cut one of your branches. You know, that's that's how a tree grows. So my career is the same thing. Maybe one day body painting will become illegal and uh, spray paint, uh, you can't find them because it's too toxic. Or So you have to have many branches to be able to constantly be able to harvest. Right. So from early on, I was attracted to hip hop and graffiti, but I bridged out of it. Uh, looking into contemporary art and other styles of music to mm-hmm. kind of add on to what I was already producing in the hip-hop culture.
0: Mm-hmm. So, when you were doing, do you still do graffiti? Like, how? what's, you know, do you ever stop doing illegal art? Do you still do a little bit? Like, I guess last night was a little bit of that, but yep. uh, what's... Was there like a moment where you say like, oh, I gotta like chill out on the illegal bombing the streets because now I'm getting paid to do these big murals well, and such?
1: The idea is that I've never been much into bombing. I would say I was deep into bombing maybe the three, four, uh, first year of my life. After that, from from just tagging the streets and all of this, it quickly became, I still wanna do illegal, but I wanna do like pieces. I wanna do right. things that are still working for my portfolio, right? So. Right. I start painting more trains and more illegal, like under bridges and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it was still illegal, and to this day I still do illegal. To me, it's part of a, um, it's part of the same plan of uh, creative uh, civil disobedience. It's um, and it's the same thing. It's to shock people, to show people that sometimes there's things that are illegal that are not immoral. Right. And to me, this is the fine line that I always uh, searched for. You know, to be able to leave a place and consciously be able to say. I've enhanced that place, you know. It mm-hmm. was illegal, yeah. but it's better than it right, was. Right, totally. Know? So to me, it's more like the approach that I have. So I don't do mm-hmm. much bombing anymore. I I don't really, but I, it's still important to have civil disobedience as a strong part of my message mm-hmm. and my uh, practice.
0: Right, and you're part of uh, of uh, graffiti crew uh, K Six A, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. I, well, tell me a little it. We created that collective uh, early uh, 2000, like 2001. And we were four graffiti writers, Saif, Sirak, one and myself. And um, that's it. We wanted to link up and create that new crew. And because I was rapping, it grew into something multidisciplinary. We had like um, rappers that got included in the crew. We got filmmakers. We got uh, uh, food chef. We have like... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a crew it is a crew yeah, and now like... we're uh, close to 35 uh, members now oh, wow. and uh it's been almost 20 years it's been 20 years actually so mm-hmm. we we keep growing uh, apart but mm-hmm. still kind of unified through that bigger idea of the crew uh, obviously when you're younger in your 20s uh, to be part of something is so important to claim it with others to have kind of a family but after that once you have real children and real family well this often take more like a secondary uh, priority yeah. in your life so i would say we're still growing into that we're still proud of the collective but everyone is doing their own thing sometimes we do cross paths and mm-hmm. collaborate together but mm-hmm. there's new alliances made there's new crew made there's new projects and um, right so we keep on moving
0: i know you're not like a fighter you're a lover but in montreal it seems like you know graffiti artists and muralists and you know different crews seem to have fights and beefs. Does your crew have issues with anybody else?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a, actually, really, no. We don't have issues with no one, but there's some people that have issues with us. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more the situation. And me, I always preach for peace. So me, you cross my shit, I go repair my stuff, and. I know the universe... The reason why I have Dali in my solo show right now is because I answer peace to violence. Mm -hmm. It's because in my life, I do all of these alchemy uh, energetically, then universe is dropping jewels Mm -hmm. uh, on my table. That's really how I walk through this life. So. To me, being attacked is not something new. I've been attacked all my life. I've been different all my life. Mm. I've been laughed at all my life. I've been marginalized all my life. But you know what? It only takes a time because they can't break what I am. So after two, three years of laughing of me, well, they become my favorite fans because they, they start seeing the strength that I have to be different than them. And then instead of being like a marginalized a bullied person, I become an inspiration and a, a mentor of being yourself. And a lot of people that will insult you or be jealous or be uncomfortable in front of difference are those that do not have the courage to be themselves. You know, so I don't take it as a as a big. They say like, a, a copy is the closest thing to f- flattery, flattery? Or the best well place. i say being crossed out is also part of flattery because mm-hmm. it means that i'm moving things that i'm shaking things right and uh, i never answer with violence you yeah. can go cross my shit i'll go repair it
0: and it's too bad like that's one of the things that like bugs me about the montreal street art scene graffiti scene it's like there's murals, there's graffiti, I wish they could all live together yeah. instead of like going over each other. I've even heard from a friend that right, there's like extortion, you know, yeah. graffiti artists that tell muralists, like give me money or I'll fuck up all your murals. Like that's terrible. How could one artist do that to another one?
1: Well, that's the thing too. Like are they artists, uh, a lot of these people are more, um, I would call them, how would I would call them like villains, you know, like in the Batman needs his Joker, right? Batman needs is Penguin, right? That's well. Some people want to be villains. They some people are anarchists. Like they see uh, structure, they see systems, and they attack it. And now, I would say, I would say, uh, muralism is probably the biggest contemporary visual art movement in the last two two uh, decades. You know so. Obviously, a lot of people will see that as being institutionalized or being too famous. The moment you start having fame, you're gonna have people that are gonna attack that fame. And in I would say in in the world is the same thing. If you have a population of a certain fish that is growing too much in a lake, well, its predator or its parasites will also grow to reestablish balance. Mm. So maybe now there's too much murals in the city, okay. and that's why our parasites are growing with it also. You know. Mm-hmm. So I hope they don't take any offense on these these words. No, but to, to me to me it's like. I don't know maybe i'm a parasite to certain things you know like to me it's not about like it's not uh themselves being parasite i think it's more like to attach I, that's what a parasite is you attach your energy to another entity right. to gain nutrients from that attachment you know right. and i would say it's some form of Parasites. A lot of people cross me just for the fame of crossing me and getting some nutrients from my fame.
0: Because they know people will take picture of that mural, and at the bottom there will be their name.
1: That too. But there's also people that love destruction that will praise that youth for destroying someone with a status. You know, so, so to me it is a form. To me, this is a form of cultural uh, parasites. But at the same time, parasites are in life. You need to have you need to have things that move. You need to have microbes to make mm. resurrect what is dead and all right. of these things. So plus they start so, like
0: um, the, the graffiti scene kind of like started everything with muralism and street art, too. Like they're the roots. Yeah, so.
1: th- it is the roots. But from the beginning, the roots was not uh, we were not eating each other in that thing. We were mm. all together against a, a more institutionalized thing, you know, mm. and.
0: Now we're attacking each other. Yeah,
1: exactly. And to me, to me, it's not like when I say parasite, it's not like it's not synonymous synonymous to enemy, you know, like uh, we have to understand semantic on what I mean on that. But as far as the biology of thing, you know, there's something that is created. And you know what? I would even reverse that thing because we can also read the situation the reverse maybe muralism is the parasites to graffiti because at first we were painting the walls and the city said, well, now because there is graffiti everywhere, we're going to replace them by murals. But before graffiti was everywhere, mural was not even a thing. People didn't care about muralism. So mm-hmm. muralism took really its first big roots of popularity into the, the attempt of erasing, uh, the civil disobedience of graffiti. So I think it's a it's a circle.
0: So it's a symbiotic relationship where, like, graffiti was like the fresh soil of creation. Yeah. But I guess like the system just wanted to make it more, you know, uh, palatable for the whole population. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I do enjoy civil disobedience. I do enjoy illegal graffiti. I do enjoy bombing. I do enjoy hand styles. I just prefer it when it's done into some like in some. Blank property into some uh, public spaces more than when it has the intention of ruining something. You know that, but that's mm-hmm. just me. You know, there's yep. there's there's enough diversity for everyone to have fun in that culture. Yeah. My whole idea is just that I don't fight back. I just my my way of fighting back. It's to keep myself clean karmically, but also on the wall. I'll repair mm-hmm. my wall. I'll do whatever it needs. I'll humble myself in front of criticism you know mm-hmm. but uh it's
0: the lesson of m- impermanence too you yeah know? The,
1: the detachment and that's why i chose the, w- the word monk at first i saw a buddhist monk um doing uh mandalas, Sen with mandalas. Sen, exactly and the moment they finish the same day they have a overview with their sensei and they actually destroy everything and when i saw that it made me think of graffiti so the the work and the fight for detachment is not a something that is going to end at one point all your life you're going to have to fight to detach yourself from life even you're going to have to learn on the last minute you're going to be like hey life I enjoyed you but now I'm passing to a different state
0: eventually we all die so we got to be like comfortable with that exactly for sure so tell me more about your studio work so that's the work on the streets with spray paint but in your studio work you also use spray paint but what other mediums
1: Yes, um, I've just started. I've been um, I've been kind of intimidated with oil painting for a while. All my life, I kind of admire uh, people that were painted with uh, painting with it. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself when I was gonna be old. I was seeing myself when I'll be old I'll be doing oil painting. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'm old now with a white and a beard. <laughs> What's your age? I'm 39 now. Okay, nice. And um, I started doing oil painting this year So a lot of the canvas that are here are my first ever oil painting. Oh, right? wow. So like, I, I, they look great I, I Maybe 20 oil painting here when they are my 21st oil painting and um I would say i don't do much studio work the reason why i did uh, a lot of painting recently on canvas is because of covid Mm. Uh, i was coming back from uh, the lockdown in uganda and i spent the first winter in canada for the past 12 years that was my first winter so i had time in studio to paint um so that was the change but really i don't i'm not much of a studio like visual art studio i'm more into a musical studio so Mm -hmm. i paint outside when it's sunny and I make music when it's not. It's okay. more the the relation that I have with the uh, the sun and the rain and the snow.
0: Mm-hmm. But um, how has it been to do something unusual
1: like being in the studio and working with oils? I would say it brings you back to the detachment, detachment of your pride, detachment of the techniques you know. You have to start over. There's a mm. newness that comes with it. You know, to yeah. to learn a new medium. There's the, the innocence and the and the vibration of newness and the adrenaline of survival, you know, because the ego has this, this beautiful tool that makes us want to give a good impression, makes us want to keep a certain standard of presentation. Mm -hmm. That's all the ego that is scared of being a lesser version than what it was in the past, you know? So I do believe that's a beautiful part of the ego is that it's force you to have a certain standard. And when you're not reaching those standard, adrenaline and survival instinct kick in, and then you open the subconscious and there's new things that are being revealed. Mm. So I would say that's what that's what happened with oil painting. I was stressed, nervous, amateur with it, and then it shaped me into being proud of myself and reaching new goals and new levels. So mm. I would say that's the process. And I would say relate to you leaving soon, you know, the moment you do a leap of faith and you're like, okay, I've been stressed or intimidated for a certain while about this vision, but even acknowledging the stress, I'm jumping full fledged into that vision. Mm -hmm. Well, fireworks and explosion and everything comes with it after. So Mm. that's kind of what I'm celebrating now. It was kind of like a a stressful decades to get to the point that I I dare dip my brush into oil paint, but now I'm here and now I would say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good oil painter. So Yay. let's continue to grow and to learn.
0: Good job, man. And I appreciate the time, especially on, on the day of your opening.
1: Well, I, I appreciate your time, especially on the day just before leaving and all of this. I think it's marking a certain time. I know you are a magnetizing human being. You have a lot of people that care about you. So, for you to care about me, mm-hmm. I, I feel it's a blessing. I feel somewhat honored that uh, you actually care to show my mind state and my art through your network. So Of course. Thank well, this, you. this
0: is what this show is all about. It's uh, like, you know, I, as an artist, we focus a lot on ourselves like, look at my art, look at my this, da 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 da. And you know, when COVID hit and it's like, oh, I wanna make the world a better place and I'm only one person, but I know a fucking army of positive artists out there and you're well known, but a lot of my other artists friends are not that well known. It's like true. I want the world to see these people too. And then when I film or talk with somebody who is known, it's like, look at this fucking Jedi fucking warrior <laughs> doing his thing and his in his own battlefields and in his own way. And it's fucking inspiring to me and to anyone who wants to see it. And people need this positive That's inspiration true. in the world. Like, I, and- I do
1: believe courage is contagious. I do mm-hmm. believe it's one person standing up. It will help three, four others stand up. And those three, four will help others stand up. And yeah. I would say you are one of those trends. I'm quite sure you're giving strength to your community and that's why your community i do believe that's the the role and the duty of a king a king is not someone that is supposed to be there for the glory is someone that is supposed to be able to provide for his people and by providing the people give him glory but um to me, it's not the reverse. It's not I. I want the glory, and then I'll provide for you guys. It's no. It's like mm-hmm. I have to provide. If there's something mm-hmm. missing, I have to provide. And naturally, life will place me on my righteous throne at the right moment. Mm-hmm. And I see you doing the same thing. So Friends, I'm right? happy that our kingdom are, yeah. are are neighboring each other. Yeah, totally.
0: Respect. Uh, uh, G acknowledge G, and we you know we uh, we enforce each other in the same mission of uh, going back to the light ourselves, but helping anyone else who wants to go back to the light yep. and uh, get out of this age of darkness. That's brought too much suffering for too long. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your music.
1: Let's go. Yeah. When did it start? What's the different shapes it's had? Um, yeah. Um, you know, um, I would say music, tape took tape just like I did with the branches of my visual art, uh, I started doing spo- uh, spoken word poetry. I started producing. Everything is self-funded and self-produced. Mm. Uh, It's important to know also almost all the high level standard music in Quebec survive through grants. So people, they ask for grants and then they have the little stamp of Canada and Quebec on their projects. And that's how music can actually thrive and survive in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Me, I chose a different route. All the the money that I'm making with the painting is reinvested in the music. Mm -hmm. So my music is completely sovereign and doesn't have to to give back any receipt to no one. It's my ideas, my projects and everything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm well surrounded because I don't musically produce. I economically and logistically produce. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea, I make sure that certain composer come and compose with me the music to which I will lay my rhymes and my verses after. Mm-hmm. I have uh, 19 uh, album produced or co-produced. Uh, out already. Mm-hmm. I have the 20th and the 21st that are also done, not not published yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a full album in Cuba called Incubation. Incubation yeah. I have an album in Peru called Peru Bravo with some reggae band there. Sex. I have an album called Améritme, which was a group uh, built by Sip du Soleil. Uh-huh. It's French, English and Spanish. I have an album called Tour de France that was recorded with 13 featuring in France while touring France. Uh-huh. I have uh, an album called Suffering with the Smile On uh, that was produced and recorded in Uganda with a dancehall artist. Mm. And I have nine solo albums. I would say I don't sing. Uh, really, my skills is more in the pen game and the writing. Mm-hmm. So me, I always rap. But the, the foundation on what, I, on what I lay my verses, have changed through times. I've obviously done the primo boom bap aspect at first. Then I went into a J Della kind of a more experimental hip hop soulful thing. Then I went into Pew Pew music, which is, um, which is, I would say a Montreal version of electronic experimental, uh, hip hop. I did trap music. I did spoken word. I did Latin music with Cirque du Soleil. Mm-hmm. So I've been exploring a lot of different aesthetic as far as sound, but me myself, I rap over these beats and it's sometimes it's French, English and Spanish. Yeah, I would say it's 70% French mm-hmm. but it's French, English and Spanish. Uh, now more now that I'm producing a lot of album uh, like outside of Canada, I try to have more and more English into it mm-hmm. uh, But I would say there's something that here in Montreal we kind of always criticized and it's the people that are second language rapper. Mm-hmm. for us in montreal because a lot of people are asian they speak Creole. a lot of people uh, are quebecois but speak english if you are quebecois and your language is french and you choose to rap in english we will often hear a little accent that is not uh, that is a proof that it's not your first language and that will often be be laughed at you know mm-hmm. it's important and i think there's a good side to it and it's the idea that you need to be proud of yourself and you have to be proud of your roots and your first language but there's a, a side that is a bit sad that it's you're putting clear borders in between the way people should and can communicate themselves, and who can hear it too, and who can hear it too. So that's why it took me it took me a long time to be comfortable with my accent uh, in Spanish and in English. But at one point, for example, in Uganda, my English accent is not as strong as theirs. For example, right? Mm-hmm. Their accent is even more um, geographically. Uh, revealing of where they're at. While I have a little bit more Canadian general accent, so I was like, hey, people rap in English there in Uganda, I can rap in English. I have enough vocabulary, enough understanding of multi and all of these things, so I'm kind of now in the process to accept to have art pieces that are not in French, but usually English and Spanish are languages that are attached to a core French expression. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, in this long career of music and even painting, I'm sure you've had many uh, subject matters and topics. Uh, I don't know if I want you to like list them all, but is there some kind of like general thread or what is what you're talking about these days at least?
1: I would say my aesthetic always been hip hop, but my content kind of always been closer to reggae music. Okay. So it's a lot about, what one of the things that I enjoy, love and admire about reggae music is that they are open prayer. It's one of the only uh, musical gender that is actually uh, globalized, you know, because you could have gospel music, but it's really a niche for Christian people that listen to gospel music more. While reggae, you could have uh, atheists, you could have like Muslims, you could have anyone from any type of uh, spiritual approach and they could enjoy and find joy and celebration in listening to reggae music mm-hmm. reggae music to me it's an open prayer to mm. their creator you know so right i would say my music by being highly spiritual has a lot of similarities with reggae music as far as mm-hmm. the, the purpose the mission and the content right but it's always more into a hip-hop aesthetic
0: oh it's beautiful it's a great combination i love reggae and hip-hop um, Well, it seems like reggae is very, like, centered around Rastafarianism, Mm -hmm. but Rastafarianism can be viewed as a religion or it can just be as a style of life of one love and of a vibration of, you know, just being high and uh, connected to to God, whatever way you see it.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah, and some people uh, might observe reggae as... uh, just for the black people but many also say like it no it's not about race it's about the oneness once again and that it's one world yeah unity
1: yeah so. well there's three main uh, three main line of rastafarism there's the 12 tribes there's the bobo shanti and there's the naya Bingi. Mm-hmm. and they all have a different approach to it but there's something really zen and really almost buddhist about uh, the Rasta approach i feel i feel it's kind of some sort of a Mystic hybrid between Christianity mm. and Buddhism. There's mm. something really more like with the with the ital and the lifestyle and the consideration from for Earth and naturality. others and the naturality. dreadlocks is yeah just yeah. like and and I do I. I do practice the Nazarene rites, which is also the rites that the that the Rastas are practicing. Um, what is the Nazarene The Nazarene Rites, Rites like, like Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people will say, oh, you look like Jesus. Just because uh, Hebrews. a lot of Hebrews are practicing the Nazarene Rites, those that are the monks, those that are the spiritual part of the culture, they will not cut the beard and they will not cut the hair, because okay. it's the relation to the past. It's mm-hmm. the relation to the anti-establishment also. Because nowadays, especially if you go to the army or you get a nine to five and a job, they will ask you to shave. They will ask you to to, to be clean cut, you know? Mm-hmm. So the Nazarene right is the choice to not cut your beard and not cut your hair. Mm-hmm. I don't do great dreadlocks. I don't grow dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's my place to do so. And it's not my place to decide who is placed to do so. Mm-hmm. But me and my own spirituality, I relate to the spirituality and the concept Truality of it -hmm. by keeping the idea of leaving the dead cell still be attached to me, not necessarily in an aesthetic form as the dreads or not or or this, but to me it's more inside the idea that I'm not cutting. My bridge with what happened and what I used to be, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm still that same person that is growing Mm -hmm. just like my hair and my beard. Right.
0: I've taken the, like, not the opposite path, but like I've changed because I was growing dreadlocks for 21 years. Wow, wow. And I had a lot of dead cells and energy right there on my dome. And then at the beginning of this year, because of my spiritual uh, mm, ceremonies with ayahuasca, that had asked me many times, like, Fuck your image, fuck your, you Mm -hmm. know, being cool or looking young, cut that shit off just so you can jump in the water and you're known once again, you know, like just be just you. And it was a process. It is. Still
1: getting used to it. But um, it is. And it's also it's also part of the Nazarene, ride, I would say like like um, when you um, you realize, let's say, I don't know, you go through a divorce or Mm -hmm. something happened in your life and you have to or. I don't know, you were unfaithful, or something Ooh. happened that you're not proud of it, then you will cut yourself from that part of yourself, and you will uh, ask for redemption through that idea of shaving, or starting over, or-, mm-hmm. or Like a clean
0: slate. Yeah, exactly,
1: like a clean slate, you mm-hmm. know? So, and all of it is just, these are concepts. The idea is not to have doctrines, it's a, mm-hmm. to have different tools and elements to be able to manifest yourself on earth. Mm-hmm. Some things will speak to you more than others, and and some things are made to be flipped around, some things are made to be personalized and remixed, you know mm-hmm. the idea is that we're not one mold and we all fit that same box these are different boxes for us to be able to find who we are and manifest it through these concepts you mm-hmm.
0: know? beautiful, how long have you been following this, uh, is it a spiritual path, a religion what What do
1: you call No, find? it's not a religion I, I studied a lot uh, I, I've discovered myself to be an Israelite a Hebrew Israelite, it was in 2008, I was doing a lot of uh, geological geological genealogical okay like family Uh, research and try to because being quebecois is a new identity quebec has 400 years so like my dna has centuries you know so what was i before quebecois you know i i'm a i'm a i'm a citizen of the stars you know i'm the mm-hmm. my bloodline been flowing this earth for millennium you know so mm-hmm. to be quebecois to me it's cool but it's a modern identity you know yeah. so i was really searching from where i come from and i discover i come from the basque people which are really uh, uh which is a sovereign auto- uh, autochthon uh, like indigenous mm-hmm. people of Europe and mm. and then I found my roots towards Hebrew Hebrew Israelite so it gave even more strength to my spirituality but to me like Hebrew Israelite is not the same thing as being Jews necessarily Jews is Judaism is a is the structured mm-hmm. that a uh, structured part of the Hebrews you know but right. uh, uh, i don't i don't have a denomination i don't necessarily believe in religion either i don't believe in the borders and the the divisions that there is in between religions either mm-hmm. i do i've learned from buddhism i've learned from judaism i've learned from christianity i've learned from islam i've learned from rastafarism i've learned from hinduism i've learned from uh, atheists that believe in science i've learned from all of these different things and i respect all of that diversity mm-hmm. um i identify as a hebrew israelite but i don't practice a religion even if i am religiously producing art pieces ah,
0: art's your religion <laughs> exactly. creation
1: yeah and i would say no i don't i don't necessarily believe in religion in in general i use religiously as a way to emphasize my obsession for creation and creating but a uh, even my art is not structured with doctrines and, mm-hmm. and amendments and things like that. Beautiful. Um, well,
0: from what you tell me, from your art and your music, you, it's clear you've traveled the world to many places. Uh, I'd like to know how many countries you've been to, and tell me a little about the projects you've had. I think you mentioned Cuba and uh, Peru and, and Africa, of course. Tell me a little bit about different projects you've okay. done around. Uh, well, you can choose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've, I started traveling the first time I, was, uh, I had the, the chance and the fortune to leave Quebec. It was, I was 19 years old and I was chosen to represent Canada for the muralism festival of Sao Paulo in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I had a job. I quit my job from then and I've never worked in a 9-to-5 after that.
0: Beautiful.
1: And then I start my second trip was with Sir, Sir du Soleil. I went to do a, a series of concerts in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then after that, my first album came out. And then I started traveling in France to try to search for, for a deal, record deal and all of these things. Thus far, I have 16 tours in France. Wow. I have 18 tours in Mexico crazy. I have seven tours in Uganda. In total, I have 71 international tours. Mm. Uh, And my idea is not to accumulate necessarily new countries. My idea is once I've bonded with a country, then we feed each other. We feed each other. You you found your
0: community, so you want to keep on giving them some love. Yeah.
1: So I would say this is more so I've, I've seen like 28 countries, I've produced in 28 countries, but that was part of 71 international tours. So if mm-hmm. I wanted, I could have chose a different country right. every time. But to me, the community I was building in Mexico, I would say France, Mexico and Uganda are my three biggest pool of uh, of magnetism of collaboration and everything mm-hmm. outside of Montreal which is definitely my home and residence so right but um, yeah i enjoy traveling i did i have I had the chance to do amazing project with the with Walt Disney with Heineken, with Chevrolet with different government around the world i painted the i painted the min, the building of the ministry of culture in gabon in libreville i've painted the national theater in uganda I've painted the fine art university in Kampala in Uganda. Also I've like, I've been blessed with many, many things that are surreal and I never had a website. I never knocked on any door. I never, my only way to promote myself is by producing and producing and producing and the work itself do his little journey and lives on its own and then certain things come back to me after mm-hmm. i'm supposed to leave again soon i'm like you i'm in a little dilemma on how i'll be able to do all of these uh, these international travels but uh, i'm supposed to leave for guinea senegal and cameroon tanzania uganda and rwanda so my whole oh. winter is supposed to be in east and west africa leaving at the end of november how can you do that without you know the vaccine well stuff, right? it's um, everything is in the law and in the wording right mm-hmm. uh, we have to know our constitutional right we have to know our uh, human rights um, the movement uh, around the world is a right we have the right to move mm-hmm. uh, the thing is that but they might not let you get on the airplane
0: starting next Saturday. And yeah. that's why I've been ducking out. So Yeah, that's, that's,
1: the, that's the problem. But one of the things that me, I'm going to push for though, is that everywhere, they're really, really precise on how they communicate the law, right? They're saying, we're going to need a vaccine passport for all unessential travel. So how do you communicate yourself will define where you place yourself in the law. Mm-hmm. Can you communicate how essential your travel is? Right. Do you even have paperwork of invitation that could, uh, that could bring weight to you showing how essential your trip is, you mm-hmm. know? They don't have the right to separate family, so are you going to meet family? Are you going, so all of these things are to be studied, and once you go against the normal protocol and you put yourself in marge, There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things to to show proof for. But if you do, you get empowered with that new status. Mm. You know how you could now slalom that big fear picture. You know, and I can't speak uh, as someone who succeeded in that precise aspect but, you're but there's try. other but there's other aspect of law that I've already won with you know okay. like uh fine municipal fines or or even when I went to court I was able to find in the law a way to be uh non guilty like uh, so there's there's a way and the trick is that Babylon is using the leviathan leviathan is Uh, portrayed as a sea monster or as a big monster. But the metaphor is that the Leviathan is a bureaucracy that is so big that you get tired of dealing with it and you abandon. So right now, that's what they're putting in front of us. If I go against it and I say, I have the right to travel without my vaccine, then I will have all of these paperwork and all of these things to fill. Mm -hmm. But legally, you still can't travel. They can't, and they know it. Just a simple example. uh, I don't want to hopefully nothing backlash to me, but we go for it. I was speaking with an employee at SAQ, right? Mm-hmm. Because they are a governmentally organized business. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I, I told them, you know, like it's illegal to discriminate uh, medically on who can come at, or not in your business, right? They said, yeah, yeah, to, we know to that. To buy liquor. Yeah, to buy liquor. So I said, so how do you deal with someone that doesn't want to wear the mask? They said, well, we were sued a couple of times, many times, So now we can't say no to this person. We have a protocol where they come in, we ask them to stay in the corner at the entrance, and we give um, one one of the employee as his assistant to go do his errands for him. So he doesn't move around in the stores, but he is allowed to come in and he is allowed to buy. Okay. So, but in the news, they will never tell you this. They will never show you that side that they say no one can come in. And then with a fine print, unless you are a human being. Right? <laughs> so like you have all of these big things against you, right. but then they just want to scare you. That's why they put in the media everywhere. Trudeau said, no one can travel. Trudeau said, no one can travel. Trudeau right. said, So everyone thinks that's the truth. Okay. But if you really go through the process of it, there's a way as a human being to make sure your rights are protected because these people know that it will cost so much for them if they are sued for something illegal so mm. they, they're walking that edge of respecting the demand the illegal demand from the government and then not infringing on human rights you know so mm. that fine line it's a chess game and that's the chess game I'm ready to play to be able to continue to travel Wow.
0: You're inspiring me because, like, I could really use an extra month. I gotta pack all my shit. Mm -hmm. I gotta potentially sell my apartment. Right now, I'm at zero, and one week is nothing. It is. And I'm like, fuck. I could really use this extra month, but like, I'm, I'm afraid. As you say, they they scared me with these titles of like, you can't fly in one week, and I'm like, oh shit. I don't want to get trapped in this country, you know, because I didn't duck out while I still could. Yeah but then I could maybe like give myself another month like you, yeah. uh, tell me how, how it goes. Um, I will,
1: I will, uh, I, will I will, I will, I will, and, and we'll see, um, huh? but, uh, I would say there's a, I've been on the forefront of pushing these things a lot. Like I've been to court 13 times now to have my status, my statue as a sovereign human being on the land, you know, and it, it's a process and it's an ambition claim, ambitious claim, and it's filled with, naivety and filled with many things, but one thing that is filled of is courage and good intentions. I'm doing this to test and to push um, because I refuse to be docile in front of all of this. And I think the name of the game is the law. They will scare you with police, but once you get into court, judge will tell you what the police did is illegal, right? But they don't care. They just put different layers of blockage in front of you So you don't see the truth. So the truth is hard to find. And this is why collectively by exchanging, we could have a bigger impression of where the truth lies, you know? Mm. So we'll keep ourselves posted. And I could also refer you to interesting uh, lawyers online and groups that are are claiming and different ways to manage these things. If you
0: have a good lawyer, him in touch with me already because i want to see if i can buy myself that extra month to exit my country Without such a rush, stress, yep. and do it properly. Like this whole thing of me flying out and then hiring people to pack my things and sell my apartment is, it's, it, crazy. it's not, it's not good, nope. you know. Um, so if I, if, some, yep. if a yeah, professional, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not smart enough to like go and investigate the law. Yeah, it's just so not my style. But if you know a professional, I'll pay them well, to like the, help me.
1: The thing that is hard is that a lot of these professionals are bound by their order of lawyers, right? So they can only reveal so much if they don't want to get excluded from. Oh, damn. From their order, you know? So, yeah, but there's some people that are courageous out there. Mm. There's a, there's even people that are uh, lawyers that came together to claim that all of this is a crime against humanity. Right. So now all of the people that are um, that are fact-checker and that erased uh, things that were actually true, they're now being put into that list of complicit to uh, human... Uh, crimes you know mm-hmm. so me it's not like one lawyer in specific but it's different groups that they do have like for example um there's even christian groups in the states now that they have an affidavit a template of an affidavit on how uh, in the law and in the bible being able to prove that uh vaccination is against your spirituality and your conscience which is sure. the first amendment of the constitution of canada right. respect of consciousness and right. the respect of consciousness is defined as the capacity to make a choice between bad and good right so if you understand something is bad for you yeah. and you have a claim in the law or in yourself or uh, then you have to write papers. You have to put yeah. it on paper. Me personally, I'm writing an affidavit with all of the explanation of my mind mm-hmm. through the law. Mm-hmm. So I could pass you that affidavit. Yeah. I could pass you how people are filling these affidavits. I have no proof Cause, cause, of, of, cause of, of, yeah. of... Because what happened is once the, um, the rebellion or once the counter-attack or once we found a way and a loophole, often the loophole will be kind of remixed into adding other obstacles in that loophole. So Mm -hmm. a lot of these techniques you go through it but the the enemy is somewhere else with it you know so mm-hmm. you have to kind of they kind of have one step keep uh, on jumping you have to so we kind of always have to renew and change mm. and and be fluid with it but i will be happy to send you the different reference yeah. and link so you can make your own idea of yourself on how you want to approach that situation Cause
0: for me it's it is a spiritual thing i do i am of the belief that this va- this vaccine is going to affect my consciousness yeah. my dna it's going to put things in me that are are not of benefit to my spiritual elevation and not that of humanity. Yeah. And I don't want it and I don't want to be forced in it and, and stuff. Um, I, I find it like an unhealthy situation. Yeah. Um, so my next question to you yeah. is: there's a lot of things happening in the world, yeah. uh, monkey. Yeah. Um, is there like a general point of view of what's happening? Like, you know, like if you had to summarize what's happening right now from an overview. What's, what, what's happening right now, man?
1: Well, me personally, I think it's uh, the creator is forcing human to reveal their nature. Mm-hmm. So you have people that seek comfort and seek uh, material things so much that they will allow to be contaminated, to be manipulated, to be incarcerated, to be all of these things. And we all have a free will, so I think the universe is telling us: Who do you want to be? Do You want to be that one that is dependent on McDonald's, or you want to be that one who's learning how to make a garden out of your backyard, right? You want to be the one that is pressing the button to kill thousands of people in the Sahara Desert by a button. It's more like a signature or whatever it is. But uh, or are you going to be the one that is going to be a whistleblower to save uh, these people? You know. So I think. It's um to me like the judgment day it's not something outside of us we are judging ourselves who are we are we are we the inventory of our of our nation are we clients are, of the pharmaceutical war going on or are we actually thinking critical philosophical human beings that that fight for their existence and fight with generosity virtues humility compassion so i think it defines us it will define who we are and where we place judgment day is now every day is judgment day every day you have to judge yourself you have to judge the decision you're going to take um so to me it's just the continuity and the intensifying human selection of heart revealing and that's the revelation our nature is being revealed Um, Are we selfish or are we selfless? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's happening right now.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for your perspective. Um, Would you have some final words of wisdom to the people who watch this show? 100%.
1: 100%. (laughs) Gratitude. The word is gratitude, 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 gratitude. Mm. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be breathing. I'm grateful to be a friend of yours. I'm grateful to have a camera and people caring enough to actually give their intention to this world. These words, I'm grateful for the Salvador Dali show. I'm grateful for what's happening. And um, I think gratitude is the starting point of humanity. It's the starting point of compassion. It's the starting point of considering each other. And I consider you, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for using your thank magnetism, me. your Woo. power, your beauty Boom. into uh, into connecting our kingdom. So yeah, hell thank yeah. you so much, my brother.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Monkey. Blessing. Bless. Yo. <laughs> and thank you, the viewers, for watching another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Uh, please press like and comment and share and subscribe. And if you're on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, etc., Please uh, give us some good reviews. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, much love. Blessings. (laughs) Next episode, my guest will be Perú Dyer. Says to me that I'm very lucky to have found a purpose in life because so many people spend their whole life searching for it. Mm -hmm. So I don't take that lightly. So when I when I make art, I'm very conscious of this, and uh, I try to you know be uh, be mindful and respectful of each place that I get invited to paint. I mm-hmm. uh, try to honor that sacred bond and, and honor the community and do the best with each project no matter what, who it's nice. for or what it pays because that's our legacy. You know? Cool. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment and share. Big thanks and see you next episode. Peace.